Morning, everyone. Have I said that yet? Everyone doing okay? Excellent. So, we're in a series called, Is Your Christianity Too Safe? Great way to start the new year, I think, with a little bit of a a challenge. And the precursor, the kind of thought behind this is, do you know what? Who doesn't like to be safe? You know, we love to be warm and comfortable and cozy and content and wrapped up. None of us are presumably great fans of things like pain and discomfort and interruption and inconvenience and hassle. But the danger is, if we place ourselves in a place where we are mainly concerned with our own safety and our own comfort. The danger is in that place we become stale. The danger is we become a little bit defensive because we've started erecting nice, safe, comfortable walls around us. And the danger is we sort of enter into a maintenance mode where we just keep that status quo going. The danger with that is is it leads to a boredom and it leads to a passivity in our Christian life. If we're not careful, it'll lead to a a form of retreat. So the question I started last week, or the week before as happens with, was was were we intended in, in our Christian lives to be safe or does God intend us to be dangerous. Let's put it like this. If we are on the victory side, anyone else with me on the victory side? Anyone else read their Bibles? Regulations, Ephesians, Philippians? We're on the victory side, right? So if we're on the victory side, should we be advancing or should we be retreating? You know the answer to that question. So the challenge from, from last time really was this. Are we going to press into the fullness of what God has for us? Or are we going to settle right here where it's comfortable? And the danger, of course, if if we do that, is we therefore miss what God has for us. The danger is we, we settle for the best that we can do, and we miss what God can do. And if you're here a couple of weeks ago, In that place, you never actually press in and reach the promised land. We were in Joshua uh, the last time. So so that's that's the premise. Is your Christianity too safe? And as I said, I've got six messages, or became seven. It's now down to five. And this one, the challenge I'm going to throw in front of you today is would you walk across the room? Would you walk across the room? If If there was a stranger... Over there. And, and if that stranger was, was maybe alone, if perhaps you could see that they were in need, would you be bold enough to step out and minister grace to them? Or would you kind of be tucked up in your cocoon like it right here where I'm safe? That's the challenge and that's where I start jabbing you just very, very gently with a very blunt stick. Now, just walk across the room, as I'm sure those of you who are around then can remember, was a wonderful series uh, by uh, a chap called Bill Hybels. 
Uh, and it's encapsulated there in that there poster thingy on the wall. Just walk across the room. Uh, and I think what we'll do, uh, Steve and I, is we'll, we'll link to that series online so you can go back and listen to the fullness of that should you be so inclined. But the big idea is this. Would you be prepared to walk across the room to talk to someone about Jesus? And as Bill Heibel sets that series up, it starts with this kind of suggestion. You know, it, it's easy, you know, it, it's easy to stay safe in our nice Christian cliques and our nice, cosy and holy huddles. Who, who doesn't like that place? Bill Hybels calls it your circle of comfort. The danger with staying in your circle of comfort is, is that you can become immune to compassion. You can become immune to conviction. Both of those are, are the voice of the Holy Spirit stirring on the inside of you. That the danger of staying in that circle of comfort is that you can start to become risk averse. The danger is that your Christianity becomes a little bit too safe. And of course, the ultimate danger is you miss the very opportunities that God places in your path. And Bill Hybels throws out this challenge. Would you, would you be prepared to leave your circle of comfort and to step into the zone of the unknown? Sounds like something scary in science fiction. And when we talk about stepping into the zone of the unknown, I'm not necessarily talking here about, about hardline, direct, confrontational evangelism. You know, a conversation that starts like this. Hi, sinner. My name's Jamie. Do you know where you're going when you die? Okay, that's not what I'm talking about. What I'm talking about here is opening your heart to the possibility that God might want to use you for his purposes. That, that you, that you might have something that they need. He's called Jesus, in case you don't get that hint. That, that God might want to use you as a conduit of his of his goodness and grace, of his faith and hope, of his wisdom and strength. The possibility, you know, that, that the Holy Spirit may already be at work and he's calling for you to join in and help out. In opening your heart to the possibility that sometimes, not every time, but sometimes there will be low-hanging fruit that God is calling you to harvest. So, so in that series, just walk across from that. There was a strap line that, that's up there on that um, wall, and I think I've got it on the screen any second now. And the strap line it was eyes up, heart open, feet walking, hand outstretched, and knees bent. You know, I think it's great on a regular basis, to take a little bit, a little bit of an inventory, if, if you like, and ask, ask those questions. Are our eyes up? Are you on the lookout? To use perhaps a rather naff illustration, is your periscope up? Are you expecting every day for God to use you and for God to place people in your path and perhaps invite you, ask you, to take that step of walking across the room. Are your eyes up? Or are they kind of down here, never looking, kind of closed, out of the game? So number one, eyes out. Number two, heart open. 
as I said, if, if, we, if, if the pursuit, if the goal is safety and comfort, it's possible to, to close your heart off, to close yourself to compassion and conviction. So the question here is, is how's your heart being kept soft and compassionate and sensitive and responsive to what God might be calling you to do? Third one here is, is feet walking. You know, th- there is an extent to which our feet have to do a bit of walking. We have to get out there. We have to do a little bit of mixing and a little bit of interacting. The danger is, if we, again, if we, we're trying to stay safe and comfortable, we'll, we'll stop doing that. We'll hide away. We'll, we'll protect ourselves as opposed to getting out there and getting those feet a-walking. Here's a thought for you. If you want to harvest fruit, you got to visit the orchard. I like that thought. Number four is hands outstretched. This is kind of the practical side. Are are you ready and willing to respond and to act and to serve and to do so intentionally and cheerfully and generously and graciously? And then finally, are, are your knees bent? Are you praying for the lost? Are you pleading for souls? Are you asking God for for divine opportunities and open doors? And as I said, if you want to go into detail, you can listen to that series. Again, it's a great reminder. But what I want to do today is I want to reframe that challenge. Would you be prepared to walk across the room? I I want to put that into our specific context, which is, is your Christianity too safe? And I'll put it like this. Would you be prepared to walk across the room and see what God might do? Or are you going to hide right here where it's comfortable? That's the challenge. And as always, I'd say the aim of this message is not to pile on you more guilt and more inadequacy. If you're anything like me, you probably feel guilty and inadequate enough without some preacher standing at the front, pumping it at you on a Sunday. The aim of this is not to stir that. The aim is to stir in you an expectation, to stir in you a hope, and to stir you possibly to action. My message today is going to be based on a combination of three verses. Okay, and I'm going to read the three verses at the beginning, and then I'm going to unfold each of them for a few minutes, and then I'll tie it all together. At the end. And the three verses of this, number one is Joshua 3, verse 5, which is pretty much where we finished last week. And the backdrop here, as you remember, is they're just heading into the, the crunch moment, stepping into the promised land. And God says to Joshua, uh, he said, actually, he says, Then Joshua told the people, Consecrate yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do great wonders among you. The second verse is Zechariah 4, verse 6. All of these should be familiar to you. So he said to me, this is the word of the Lord to to Zerubbabel. Is that a great name? I wish I'd call one of my kids Zerubbabel. No, I don't. Not by might. Hey, Zerubbabel. Some type, no. Doesn't quite work, does it? Anyway, seriously. Not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord Almighty. Anyone been a Christian for 20 years and not convinced of that yet? You're not trying hard enough. Not by might nor by power, but by my Spirit, says the Lord. Then Ephesians 2, verse 10, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, 
which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So there's three aspects here. There's consecration, there's the power of the Holy Spirit, and then there's God's work in and through us. I'm convinced that those three in combination make a tremendously, tremendously powerful combo. Put those three verses in together and it creates a real sense of balance around this topic and, a, and I think a powerful blend for, for effective life and ministry, actually. So I'm going to I'm going to work my way through those. Joshua 3 verse 5. As I said, Joshua and the Israelites are, are getting ready to invade the promised land and God gives them this hugely significant instruction the night before it all kicks off. He says, consecrate yourselves for tomorrow the Lord will do great wonders among you. New Testament equivalents of that verse would be Hebrews 12 verse 14 which says, without holiness no one will see the Lord. Or Matthew 5 verse 8 in the Beatitudes, blessed are the pure in heart for they will see God. Now last time, Joshua 3 verse 5, I said this, I said that, that in this particular verse, whose responsibility is it to do the great wonders and the amazing things? Who's going to do that? And the answer very clearly is God is going to do that. That is his job. That, that's his department. That's his responsibility. And that's his expertise. Our job, our responsibility simply is to consecrate ourselves. Consecrate means to set ourselves apart for God and for his purposes. But but as we kick this off, it's so important for us to remember whose job is whose. See, here's the danger, I think. The danger in in an evangelism outreach context The danger is we pump ourselves up thinking we have to do amazing things for God. You know, and that's understandable. I think that's very noble. It's probably well-meaning. But I think it's also dangerous. And the reason it's dangerous is it risks it becoming flesh, not spirit. It risks it becoming works, rather than grace. It risks it becoming our best, rather than God's best. It risks it becoming our initiation, our timing, our methods, rather than God's. And I'll be honest, in my observation, that that isn't hugely effective. And you know what, if, if we start trying to do it in the flesh and it's works and it's our best and it's our ideas, that, that produces in us a deep sense of frustration. And that frustration usually ends up being dumped on everybody else. Here's the flip to that. The flip is when it is spirit-led, when, when it is spirit-sparked, when it is spirit-inspired, as opposed to flesh-led, which is our enthusiasm and our determination, then it's a whole different story. Because then it becomes grace, not works. Then they become God ideas rather than good ideas or bad ideas. 
then it becomes God's initiation. It becomes God's timing. It becomes God's methods. And do you know what? That opens the door to his amazing things. Part of the message today, absolutely, God wants to do amazing things. God wants to gloriously save the lost. He wants to miraculously heal the sick. He wants to radically restore the broken and dramatically release the captive. You know, behind the scenes, God is already moving the chess pieces to that end. He's already softening hearts. He's already opening doors. He's already beckoning seekers. But you know what? That's his job. Our job is to consecrate ourselves. Which leads to to an inevitable question for me anyway, which is in this context, what does it mean for us to consecrate ourselves? And I'm just going to give you four sub-points here. The first one is willing availability. The second is surrendered purpose. The third is submitted authority. And the fourth is responsive obedience. And I know those kind of overlap and intermingle a little bit. Let's just work our way through those quickly. Number one is willing available. Willing availability. Question, are you willing in this context and are you available? As Isaiah 1 verse 19 says, if you are willing and obedient, you will eat the good things of the land. And here's one of the dangers of comfortable and safe. One of the dangers is we withdraw our willingness and we withdraw our availability. We probably don't do it deliberately. We we probably don't do it rebelliously. More likely, we, we kind of slip slide into, into too busy. We slip slide into a little bit distracted, perhaps a little too self-absorbed. And as a result, we just become a little colder and harder. We become a little self-protective and a little closed. And if that is the case, we need to re-consecrate ourselves. And that means we need to say this, God, I'm available. Lord, I am yours. God, would you please use me for your glory? Firstly, we have to be willing and available. I was taught, and you've heard me say this before, I was taught when I was a young man to pray a prayer that went something like this. I try and pray this prayer nearly every day. And it goes like this, Lord, would you move me physically and geographically across the paths of those people who need to hear the words that I have to say and need to drink the water that's in my well? It's a dangerous prayer, isn't it? I wonder what would happen if if on a daily basis, as part of our re-consecration, as part of that pursuit of willing availability, we were to pray a prayer like that every day. We're going to come back to that. You look very excited about that, by the way, that prospect. Excellent. Good for you. Number two, a reconsecration is surrendered purpose. Uh, so consecration rededicates us to his agenda and his priorities and his heartbeat, i.e. his love for the world 
and his desire to see everyone saved. It reignites that, that kind of burning compassion that we read about in the lost coin, the parable of the lost sheep and of the prodigal son. Here's, here's God's agenda, here's God's priority, here's God's heartbeat, 2 Peter 3 verse 9. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. That's the purpose of God. And the trouble is, you know, until our heart is fully consecrated, we will always be, at least to a little bit of an extent, we will always be pursuing our own agenda over his. We'll always be leaning towards our own preferences over his. And therefore we will find ourselves distracted from his kingdom purposes. Number three, submitted authority. Okay, no new news here. He is Lord. He is the one who belongs and should be and deserves to be and must be on the throne of our lives. He is the one who has leadership rights. And we must totally surrender to that authority. Do you know what? That only comes through consecration. Joshua 3 verse 5. Consecrate yourselves. For tomorrow the Lord will do amazing things among you. And of course the backdrop going back two weeks ago, there were three tribes who decided they weren't going to do that. They were going to do it their own way. They got their own plan, which they thought was better. They were going to settle this side of the Jordan River. They weren't going to cross over and they weren't going to step into the promised land. And it all stems from their unwillingness to surrender to God's purposes and submit themselves to his authority and obediently respond to his command. So submitted authority only comes through consecration. That means laying down our rights That means dying to self. That means taking up our cross and following him. I think someone said that once upon a time. The good news is, of course, that is what leads to the promised land. Number four is responsive obedience. He whispers and we respond. If he says jump, our answer, how high? If he asks us to walk across the room... Our feet start walking. If he says, start a conversation, we ask him what we're to say. So first one, Joshua 3 verse 5, consecrate yourselves. Consecrate yourselves for tomorrow the Lord will do great things. If we want to see God do great things, we need to re-consecrate ourselves on a regular basis. His heartbeat, his purposes and his agenda. Okay, that sort of leads into the second verse, which, as I'm sure you remember, was Zechariah 4, verse 6, which says, Not by might, nor by power, but by my Spirit, says the Lord Almighty. And I want you to notice in that verse, the the first half, the the might and the power, that's the flesh. That's that's our best. That's our strength. That's the product of our striving and stressing. And the second half of the verse is spirit. And of course, that's where transformation and breakthrough and fruitfulness come from. And that's the product of his inspiration, 
and his leading. And here's the trouble. The trouble is we tend to think that we have to heal the sick, that we have to free the captive, we have to save the lost, and we have to change the world. And anyone ever get sucked into thinking that that's their responsibility? Well, if it is, I've got good news for you today. That's not your job. That's not your responsibility. That is his job. And that is his responsibility. And trust me, he's very, very good at it. It's God's job to be saviour. It's God's job to be deliverer. It's God's job to be convictor. It's his responsibility. Our responsibility is to be a consecrated vessel, to be a conduit, if you like, that the Holy Spirit can flow through. We'll ask a bit of a tough question. Apologies in advance. When you walk across the room, in fact, when you do anything that's kind of evangelism or outreach focused, where does it come from? Does it come from a, from a religious urge to please God? Does it come because I think I've got to tick boxes and I've got to earn points and I've got to do the right thing? Does it come to make me look good? Or is it some worked up sense of guilt or, or failure? Or does it come from a consecrated place? A surrendered desire to serve and honour and obey God. Because, you know, of those two, the first one, that's flesh. But the second one, that's spirit. The first one is, is works. The second one is grace. The first one is, is striving. And the second one is an overflow, streams of living water. Not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord Almighty. So if you walk across the room because you feel you ought to, it'll probably be fruitless. If, however, you walk across the room because you're being led by the Holy Spirit to do so, then it will be fruitful. Which is why consecrating, which is why setting ourselves apart, which is why our relationship and our prayer and our worship and our intimacy with the Father comes first, and then the works come second. We're going to come to a bit of works. We've still got Ephesians 2 to go. If anyone's getting nervous. But remember your gospel grammar. It's always grace first and then works. It's always grace first. It's always compassion first. It's always the leading of the Holy Spirit first. Otherwise, it tends just to be might and power and flesh. And do you know what? I'm sure you'll all agree, we all really, really need it to be spirit. Okay, so number three, that sets up nicely for Ephesians 2 verse 10, which says, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. And I went through and I looked up all those words in the Greek to make sure I got the meaning just spot on. So first of all, we are God's workmanship. That literally means the work of God as creator. That's who we are. 
Secondly, we have been created in Christ Jesus. Literally means completely changed and transformed in Christ. We call it being born again. Praise the Lord for that. But we've been created in Christ Jesus for good works, for fruitfulness. Literally means for excellent, honourable acts or deeds. But here we come to the crux. Number four, God has placed those in our paths ahead of time. But you know what? At the end of the verse, you know, we've got to do some walking. That literally means, I looked it up, literally means to make due use of, of opportunities. It's important, I think, that we place that verse, Ephesians 2 verse 10, in the context of the whole of Ephesians 2. Do you know what? Ephesians 2 tells us that you are an act of grace. If you remember the verse, it talks in verses 1 to 3, that chapter of how lost we were before Christ. And then verses 4 through 10, it talks about how we've been saved by grace. 100% grace. There's nothing we can do. We cannot earn it. No, no one's going to be able to boast. It's all by God for his glory. So so in that context, we are an act of grace. We've been reformed and reshaped by grace to be a conduit of grace, to take that grace wherever you go. And you know what? That grace is the key. That grace working in you produces good works coming out of you. The the grace working in you in you produces the good works coming out of you, not the other way round. But I want you to notice here, this is important, that that these works that we're talking about, they have been prepared in advance. In other words, God has already done the preparing. God has already got it ready and placed it in your path. You know what that means? It means you do not have to stir it up or work it up, or whip it up. You don't have to do any preparing, because God has done the preparing. Our job, your job, is to recognise exactly what God has placed in your path, and to be a conduit of grace. Our job is to identify what he's doing, where he's moving, and jump on board. And here we come back to the, the, the initial premise If our Christianity becomes too safe, if it becomes about self-preservation and comfort and status quo and our priorities, then the chances are we will fail to recognise what God has placed in our paths because our eyes won't be up and our heart won't be open and our feet won't be walking and our hands will be in our pockets and our knees won't be bent. Our job is to recognise what God has placed there Jump on board. Here's good news, folks. We get the privilege of participation. We get to shine light. We get to share truth. We get to pray prayers. We get to wash feet. We get to sow seed. And we get to harvest fruit. God wants us to enjoy the rewards and the blessings of participation, not just be spectators. In other words, don't be hiding. Don't be sitting on the sidelines. Don't be stuck in that circle of comfort, not playing the game, not not, not ever taking a risk. 
We have to make a consecrated decision that if God calls us to walk, God calls us to walk across the room. God calls us to walk across any room that we're up for it. And the crux here is is that we don't value comfort and safety higher than what might happen if we take a holy risk and we listen to the whisper of the Holy Spirit and we get our eyes up and our heart open and we start walking across rooms. As I was, um, as I was kind of pondering and praying where this went, I, I got the sense sort of practically as a line for us for, for 2020 that we, we, we need to get skin in the game. Do you want to know what that expression means? I don't, so I looked it up. It's something to do with horse racing, you know, and it's something to do with the fact that the owners have skin in the game because they're horse, <laughs> as opposed to the ordinary punters. They don't have skin in the game. Something like that. But anyway, we need to get skin in the game. So, so I just felt that to, to throw before you this week two challenges. They're not too scary, don't worry. But challenge number one, but would you pray daily that prayer that I taught you earlier? Would you be prepared to pray that the dawn of every day, that rhymed, didn't it? Would you be prepared to pray, Lord, Lord God, Heavenly Father, Saviour of the world, please today move me physically and geographically across the paths of those people who need to hear the words that I have to say. We all have the gospel. We all have Jesus. The people who need to drink the water that's in our well. We're designed to be filled up with the Holy Spirit so we can overflow. And there are people out there who desperately need that. And this is a prayer of consecration. It says, God, I'm making myself, myself available. Would you move me physically? Would you interrupt my day if necessary? Would you move me geographically, take me that way rather than that way? If it leads me into the path of those good works that you've got scattered ahead of me. Because I know that there are people who need to hear what I have to say. I know there are people who need to drink that wonderful, fresh, pure, refreshing water that we have inside of us. It's called the Holy Spirit. So would you, challenge number, would you be prepared to pray something like that every day? As part of your consecration. Lord, I'll be honest, most of the praying that I do is consecration. God, I'm yours, you do it. Pretty simple, really. Part of that, I think, also, in going back into Joshua, is, is the prayer for a little bit of boldness. Where, where does Joshua 1 start with? It starts with Joshua, be strong and courageous. Three times he says, be strong and courageous. Do you know, if we are going to do what God is going to call us to do, we're going to need a little bit of holy boldness. We're going to break out that circle of comfort and step into the zone of the unknown. So part of that prayer might be, God, would you make me bold? God, would you open my eyes? God, would you give me the courage to step up and walk? You know, then, once you've done that, then then we can overcome the flesh that says no and step out in the spirit that says yes. Because I think the flesh gets in the way in two ways. The first way the flesh gets in the way is the flesh says no, don't do it. You know, that's, and that again, that is where that, that, that safety and comfort thing can tend to feed the flesh. And if your flesh becomes, becomes too strong, God will tell you to do something and you'll say, no, daddy. Right? Because your flesh has become too strong. 
That's not the first place the flesh will get in the way. The second place the flesh will get in the way is kind of reverse. It's the devil behind you giving you a kick saying, get out there. Don't you feel rotten about how many people led to the Lord in 2019? What have you been doing there? What have you been playing? Get out there and do some works for the Lord. And then it becomes flesh. Flesh profits nothing, John 6, 63. The flesh profits nothing, but the Spirit gives life. Okay, so that's challenge number one. Would you be prepared to pray that prayer on a daily basis? And then challenge number two, very, very simple really, is would you start praying regularly for three people? Three people. You know, ask God, the Holy Spirit, who he is calling you to. Who, when you think about them, do you experience an immediate tug of compassion towards them? I suspect this is too hard a challenge or a task. I suspect you can come up with three straight away. I came up with three personally straight away, and this morning I thought of a fourth one. But we're going to stick with three. So the challenge is to start praying regularly for three people that God leads you to. To begin to pray and to see where and how the Lord leads you. Start to look with your eyes up for spirit-led opportunities to serve and to sow seeds, seeds of kindness. Remember, it's not your responsibility to change the world. It's not your responsibility to turn everything upside down. God's going to do that. God's going to do that. You know, it may be that that in time you, you get to open up some spiritual conversations as the Holy Spirit leads. I, I've got my three. One of them I reckon I have spiritual conversation with already. One of whom I'd quite like to and the other one has very firmly said no. Okay, so that's where we're at. That's the kind of position we're in. But, but, but start to walk that walk. Start to get some skin in the game. Start to pray those prayers and see what God can do. Number one, consecrate yourself. Consecrate yourself. Set yourself apart for his purposes. Who knows what God might do. Secondly, not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says Lord. Hey, when it's by his spirit. That is the missing ingredient for us, folks. We need to be spirit-led, because if it's spirit-led, it will produce fruit. If it's flesh-led, we will get exhausted, tired, frustrated, and it will go down the drain. And then third one, we are God's workmanship. God has plans for you. You've been recreated in Christ Jesus and he's placed opportunities right in front of you. You've got to walk in them. Start to look. This week, start to look. You've prayed the prayer in the morning. Lord, will you move me physically and geographically? Don't be surprised when he does. Start to look and start to just do what the Holy Spirit leads you to do. Is that okay? Would you be prepared to walk across the room? Let's stand. Invite the worship team to come forward, if that's okay. I'm going to pray, and then we'll set up our response time today. Father, it's so easy to get busy and distracted and a little bit self absorbed, a little bit stuck in ruts, a little bit charging down a a furrow in front of us, Lord, and to lose sight of who you are and what you've done and what you've called us to do, what purposes you have for us. 
The wonderful thing, Lord, is you want to use us for your glory. We get the privilege of participation. You want us to be involved. You want us to be in the game. You want us to be harvesting and bearing fruit, serving you and experiencing the buzz that comes when we do exactly what you've said and see what you can do. So my prayer over these people today, Lord, is that that you'd open their eyes and mine first. Would you open our eyes to see? Would you soften our hearts to feel? Would you help us to stretch out our hands to serve? Would you you give us the strength, the boldness, the courage to get those feet walking? And Lord, would you lead us to bend those knees and to start to continue to press into praying for those key people around us that you're leading us to. You've prepared these good works. you placed them in our paths. we just got to jump on board, get involved. You're already doing it. Lord, for those people who feel a really strong pressure in this area today, I pray that you'd minister grace to them. I pray that you'd encourage them. And I pray that you'd ignite them with the power and the flame of your Holy Spirit to be fruit-bearing as they long to be. For those of us, Lord, who've got a little bit stuck in that bubble of comfort, Lord, would you help us to burst out of it? Get those feet to walking. God, all things are possible to him who believes. Nothing is too hard for our God. Not by might, nor by power, but by your Spirit. You said it. Holy Spirit, would you come and do it in us? Holy Spirit, would you come and do it through us? God, I ain't Holy Spirit, would you do it in spite of us, if that's what it takes? Because we need you. In Jesus' name. Amen.